people excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on. I'm not going to preach if that's all I'm going to get. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Anthony. Listen, really quickly, I just want, you know, we don't always do the best at this. We're always so busy and, and, and the church is rolling and all these type of things. Um, you know, the effort that it took to make happen what happened this past weekend with the youth retreat, there was over 300 people there, uh, four-hour drive, uh, four-and-a-half-hour drive in not coach buses, but school buses, and we all know that's not comfortable. You feel every bump, you know, and so, uh, but the effort that it took all church-wise, but I, yeah, I want to focus here in-house because these are the faces that you know, Jesus and Elena, the time and the energy, they coordinated a car wash while it was raining. They, they were hitting up everyone, and we were talking about, you know, donating to make it happen. Their goal, their goal was that not one of the teenagers that went from this location, which we had a final total of how many kids? Twelve kids. Her goal was that not one of them would have to pay the $200 fee to go there, that it would be fundraised, and it was, and it happened. Amen? That takes time. That takes energy, passion, love. They love our children. Uh, every, you know, it's just an amazing. So I just want you guys to stand up right where you're at, Elena and Jesus. And let's just give them all glory to God. But let's give them a, a, a round of applause, a thank you. Thank you for serving our kids. Thank you for serving our youth. It's not an easy ministry. Uh, my wife and I have done it in the past. But thank you guys because you guys have definitely uh, endured. Amen. Praise God. Till the winter time. Jesus is ready to go right now if they did another one. <laughs> and then I was like, hold on, pump the brakes. <laughs> they actually have a, he's going to be one years old on Saturday, Adriel. We'll be presenting him before the Lord this upcoming Sunday. So if you haven't seen a baby presentation here, make sure you're with us. Amen. So let us jump into this message here today. We are continuing the series that I began that is titled, Believing God is Good. When life is not. Believing God is good when life is not. And man, this, is a, this has been a, a, a blessing of a, of a series to be studying and preaching. And I hope you guys uh, are being blessed. If you didn't watch it last week or if you weren't here last week, make sure you go online and you find the sermon and you get caught up. Amen? So we've been talking about what do you do when you find yourself hitting a spiritual wall. What do you do? What do you do when with everything in you, you believe in the goodness of God, but what you see with your eyes is different than what you want to believe with in your heart? What do you do? Because I know, I know that you've been there. I know that you've been there, that, that, that you believe in all your heart the goodness of him, of what he can do, but you're just not seeing it with your eyes. What do you do when you find yourself wrestling with doubts? How many people here have had doubts? What do you do when you always, when what you always thought was true, you're just not quite sure it is true anymore? What do you do when you want to believe that God is good? But like I said, life is not. Because we all say, God is good, God is good, right? But man, a lot of times the life is not going that way in that 
that's what we're talking about over what we're going to be talking about and what we have been talking about over these last few weeks. We are in the most raw and honest books of the Bible, I believe. We're studying through the book of Habakkuk. Last week, we were in Habakkuk chapter 1, and if you were with us, I was kind of joking around with you guys that Habakkuk chapter 1 is not a sitcom sermon, right? In the sitcom, everything's happy in the beginning. There's a problem that arises. Then the problem kind of gets resolved. Everything is nice and happy, ending within 30 minutes, not including commercial. Oh, that's including commercial breaks. And boy, we wish life was like that, and it's not. And sometimes our sermons can be like that, but this is not one of them. I left you guys all hanging out, hanging last week. I thought it was funny. I was thinking about it while I was putting this one together. When I said, you guys ready for the, for the good part of the sermon? There is none. There is none. Come back. Come back and listen to chapter 2, which we're going to be covering today. There are three chapters, only three chapters in the book of Habakkuk, and if you didn't like last week's message, because listen, even while I was preaching last week's message towards the end, I was just feeling a sense of just, just emotion overcoming me. If you didn't like last week's message and you left like, man, that was a downer, pastor gave us a downer, then you're really not going to like this one. So I want you to lean over to your neighbor and you, I want you to say, you're not going to like this one. <laughs> you're going to like it, but it's, yeah. Habakkuk 1. I told you, I told you in chapter one, don't, in chapter one of your life, don't walk away from God. Because many of us have chapter ones in our life that are difficult. Right now, you may be in the chapter one in this season of your life. You've got many books, right? But in this, this new season of your life, it's a new book that's out, and you're stuck in that chapter one, and, I'm tell, and it's hard. It is difficult. You are wrestling with God, but hopefully you are enduring with him as well. And my encouragement to you is don't walk away from him. And in chapter 2, my charge to you is going to be not just not to walk away from God, but don't quit on God. Chapter 1 was all about wondering, God, God, I know that you can. Remember, I believe that you will, but you're not. And I don't understand why you are not stepping in to the situation of my life. Well, chapter 2 is all about waiting. See, wandering is difficult. God, why? That's difficult. But waiting, I don't know, but for me, waiting is much more difficult. It's a lot harder to wait. If you missed last week, then let me give you a quick little backstory about the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a minor prophet. Everyone say minor prophet. He lived and he wrote and he prophesied about 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And like I mentioned last week, most prophets, what they would do is they would speak to the people in behalf of God. In other words, they would go, he, the prophets would go to the people and say, hey, people, people of Judah, which was his people, this is what God has to say to you. However, Habakkuk was different. He didn't speak to the people on behalf of God. Instead, he actually spoke to God on behalf of the people. And he said, God, I don't understand why you're not. I don't think that this is fair. 
you're supposed to be a just God. But I'm not really sure that you are. Where are you, God? These are some of the things that Habakkuk is telling God. Why aren't you doing what I think you should do? You see, his people, the people of Judah, at one time they were very blessed. They were very prosperous. But now there was tremendous corruption. And the reality is that they were suffering greatly. They were suffering greatly. And so Habakkuk cries out to God, God, deliver us, essentially. And God says, okay. Remember that? In chapter 1, in the middle of chapter 1, he says, okay, I'm about to do something that you're not even going to believe that it would happen. You're going to be amazed at it. If I told you, you wouldn't even believe it. And so Habakkuk at that moment, at that time, is thinking, man, finally God is going to come through. He's thinking he's going to answer my prayers. Everything is going to be great. We're going to be happy. We're going to be blessed. Our lives are going to be blessed. Then God finishes that sentence and he says, I'm going to raise up your enemies. People who are even more worse than you, the Babylonians. That was all in chapter 1. And he says they're going to pass, they're going to, they're going to issue judgment upon you. And so Habakkuk, he's just beside himself. Like, come on, really? As if it couldn't get any worse? This doesn't make sense. Some, that, that, that's some of us, right? We're going through some storms in our life, and just when we believe that the storm is about to pass, now instead of just a major storm, we've got a hurricane or we've got a tornado, and you're like, really, God? This isn't the God that I want to believe in. You see, in chapter 1, Habakkuk, he's, he's wondering, why don't you do what I want you to do? And in chapter 2, we are going to find Habakkuk waiting. He's waiting. God, when are your promises going to come true? The reality is that there's many of us here that are in a season of waiting. God, when are you going to heal my child? God, when are you going to restore my marriage? God, when are you going to restore my own health? When are you going to step in in this situation? God, when are you going to show up? What do you do when you're wandering? What do you do when you're waiting? What do you do when you're stuck? What do you do, church, when you are hurting? And so today I want to look at three different things that God's word tells us to do very, very specifically. All, actually, three things that Habakkuk does when you're hurting, when you're wandering, when you don't know what it is to do. We find it here. The first thing that we see Habakkuk do, the first thing that he's going to do is he's going to listen to God. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. First thing Habakkuk does is he listens to God. See, what I like about this is that the reality is that when God's not doing what you want him to do, some people, they just walk away. They do. I'm sure you know some people that have done that. Some people, when things are not going the way they want it to go, they begin to doubt God. Some people, they quit on God. But Habakkuk doesn't do any of those things. Instead, what he does is, listen to this, he positions himself in the most strategic place to see the hand of God and to hear the voice of God. 
In Habakkuk chapter 2, if you got your Bibles with you, open them up, or we'll have them up on the screen. If you're watching us live, you'll see it up on there as well. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. This is what he says. This is what Habakkuk says. He says, I will stand. Everyone say stand. At my watch and station myself on the rampart. This is what Habakkuk says. What he's saying is I'm going to be in the best possible place to see the hand of God and to hear the voice of God. To listen, church, to the voice of God to receive his word, the primary thing that you have to do, and we preached this, I remember, in January. The number one thing that you have to do is you have to place yourself in the proper position to receive his word. Don't tell me you don't hear the voice of God when you're running 100 miles per hour in a different direction, not spending time in the word of God, not listening or doing anything that you ought to be doing to get yourself close to him, because of course you're not going to hear him. If you start talking to me right now and I keep running the other direction, eventually I'm not going to hear you. I don't care how loud you yell. Positioning, church, yourself. You want to listen to the voice of God? You want to listen to a still, small voice? Stop doing what you're doing. Separate yourself. Go somewhere where no one's going to bother you and start to meditate on him. He says, I want to look to see what God will say to me. And this is the truth right here. This isn't easy to do when you're hurting. Come on, someone say amen. Because when you're hurting, the reality is sometimes we're like babies. We don't want to listen. When I'm mad, when I'm upset, the last thing I want to do is hear anyone tell me what I ought to be doing. It's not easy to to do when you're hurting because when you're hurting, what you want to do is you want to tell God to do what you want him to do. No, God, I don't want to listen. As a matter of fact, because how hurt I am, because how hard this season is, why don't you do this for me? Why don't you step in and deliver me from this? Sometimes we may be praying, whatever it is that we're praying for, God, reach him and draw him back home. Draw my husband back home. Draw my wife back home. God, draw my child back to your presence. God, touch her and heal her from the seizures that she's having. God, bring healing to this baby. If we do, if you do, sometimes it is us, if you do, we'll bring you the glory and we'll brag about you, God. And God, if you don't, I don't know how I'm going to defend you. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes that's us. And it's really difficult to talk about your goodness, God, when you don't do what I, what I think it is that you should be doing. You want to tell God what it is that you want him to do instead of telling him what to do at those times, church. It is very, very important to listen to him. Stop trying to be God. Just stop. And listen to him. Because I want to tell you something. Our God is a God who speaks. Someone say amen to that. Our God is a God who speaks. God can speak through his word. You may be saying how? He can speak through his word. His living word. That everyone has access to. And if you don't have it in paper, you've got it in the form of a Bible app. If you're a follower of Christ, 
I would beg you to begin to, 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 to read his word every single day, to feed on his word. Open up the Bible app and just read it. Get on a Bible plan, whatever the case it is, because he speaks to you. He'll speak to you through his spirit. He can speak audibly as well. Although I have never heard the audible voice of God, but he can speak to your soul. He can speak to your spirit in a way that sometimes even seems louder than if he was speaking in the audible form. He can speak through his people. How many people here today that maybe God has used someone to say something to you that said, man, that's a word from God that I needed to hear. I remember there was one time where I was just in a, in a difficult spot in life, and, but I also was just literally in my living room on the floor like a baby just praying and crying out to God. I remember the house was empty. Everyone was in school and work, and I'm just crying out to God, and I needed something. I needed something from God, and I, did, I wasn't satisfied. I was reading his word, couldn't find it, and praying and praying and praying, and all of a sudden my phone goes ding. I take a look at it, and it's another new life pastor, and he sends me three, four paragraphs in a text message form. And everything that I was reading, everything that he had told me was exactly to the T what I was speaking to God about, what I was wrestling to God about. I don't hear that. I don't receive that if I'm not placing myself in the proper position to get it. He can speak through his people. He can speak through circumstances. He can speak through a message like you hear on Sundays or wherever it is that you stream your messages from. He can speak through a song. He can speak to you. And if he doesn't, church, I, I don't want you to panic just because he's silent. Listen to this. Just because God may be silent at this moment, it doesn't mean that he is absent. Just because he's silent does not mean that he is absent. He is always there, the word of God says. He is a promise keeper. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you, the word says. He's always with you. Listen, church. Listen for the voice of God. Now, let me warn you and be real honest with you, okay? Sometimes when you hear from him, he's going to tell you something. You ready for this? That you don't want to hear. Come on. God is not this God that just gives you good stuff. I mean, everything he gives you is good. Let me rephrase that. But, 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 but not everything that he tells you is going to feel good. Because I discipline my children when I need to discipline them, but it's for a good reason. Sometimes God has to set us in place. Sometimes God has to say, hey, take your stanky eye out of there and focus on me. Sometimes God has to say, hey, get that attitude, remove it, whatever the case is. Sometimes God has to say, the reason why you're not getting the blessing that I have for you is because you're too busy consumed with the things of this world that you are not placing yourself in the proper position that, I ought to be, that you ought to be in. We're going to hear sometimes things that we don't want to hear, which is exactly what he did to Habakkuk. He tells him, you're going to do something amazing. And then God says, yeah, I'm going to raise up your enemies. The people who are worse than you, they're going to bring judgment upon you. I could imagine Habakkuk saying, whoa, wait a minute. That's not what I was looking for, God. It's like our prayers. We pray, God, do this. God, 
I need this God. Open up the door, and God opens up the door. But we're like, wait a minute, that's not the door I wanted open. God, I asked you to do this, and you're not, and you're doing the opposite. God, well, hold on, maybe, maybe you heard me wrong. Let me let me repray that prayer. No, he heard you right. Sometimes God will speak to you, and He will say something that you don't want to hear. Let me give you a great example. Can I do that? The Apostle Paul in the New Testament. There's probably no better example of a guy who was planting churches, doing all these kinds of things, bringing people to Christianity. There's probably no better example of a guy who deserved for God to do what he asked him to do. If you're familiar with the story, the Apostle Paul had something called a thorn on his side. We don't know what it is. Theologians have gone back and forth to try to guess what it is. Some have said maybe Paul was suffering with blindness because when God showed up, Jesus showed up on the road to Damascus and was like really bright, he probably blinded him. Some have said that maybe he had some type of, some sort of addiction. Some have said he had some sort of pain or, or depression, all sorts of things. That, it doesn't matter because it's not in the Word, it don't matter for us. We don't get caught up on that. What we do know is that he begged. Paul pleaded with God, not once, not twice, but three times we see it in the Bible. He pleaded with God to take that thorn away, whatever it was, whatever it was. Some of you guys say, man, I'm Paul. I've been praying for God to remove this from me over and over and over and over again, and nothing. Paul, I can imagine saying, God, I'll do anything. God, have mercy on me. Just take it away. Take it away. Take it away. And God spoke to him. And God did not say yes. How many people know that when you ask a question, a question, you can get multiple answers? Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's maybe, later, wait, whatever the case is. God spoke to him. He didn't say yes. But God said no to the Apostle Paul. You ask, but your answer is no. And God said, this is where we, if, you, if you're familiar with the story, my grace is enough for you. God, can you deliver me from this? God, can you remove this pain, this thorn from my flesh? Can you remove it? God says, no, I can't, but my grace is sufficient. He didn't say what Paul wanted to hear. I don't know about you, but if I'm Paul, I'm pushing back a little bit. I'm saying, do you remember who I am, God? I'm Paul. I don't want your grace. I want your power. God, as a matter of fact, you want to know someone who needs your grace? Peter. How about Peter? Peter, don't you remember? He denied you three times. Give him your grace. Give me your power. How about Thomas, mister? I'm not going to believe you unless I see you. Give him your grace. I want your power. Do you remember what I did for you? Have you ever felt like that? God, don't you see what it is that I'm doing for you? Don't you see how much I'm sacrificing for you, God, in the ministry? Don't you see how much effort I'm putting in? Why is it that you are not delivering me and my family from the season that we are currently in? Have you ever thought that? Won't you get on with it? Do something for us. If I'm Paul, I'm like, okay, I was beaten for you. 
So many times I was left for dead. I was whipped across my back. I was shipwrecked. I was, I was snake bitten. I was stoned. These are all the things that the Apostle Paul went through. After all that I've been through, please give me your power. Remove this from me. And God says, no, son. But I'm going to give you my grace. What you want is not what I'm going to give you. But I'm going to give you something that is so, so much better. And that is my grace. Listen. God's going to show us what it is that he wants to show us once we hear what it is that he is saying. The first thing we have to do is we have to listen during these seasons. The next thing that we have to do is the second thing that I see from Habakkuk here that he does is we have to write. We have to write. Write it down. Document it. We have to record what it is that God says to and this is the very thing that God says to Habakkuk. The Lord replied to Habakkuk and said, and said what? Let's look at it in verse 2. Then the Lord replied, write down. Everyone say, write down. The revelation and make it plain on tablets. You see, the, the, what, what God is telling Habakkuk, the prophet, document this. Write it down. Record it. Why, do, why, why is it that we need to do this, church? Why is it that we need to do this? Because we've covered this in a series, maybe one or two series ago. We have a spiritual enemy. We have a spiritual enemy whose mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Our spiritual enemy wants to take from you whatever it is that God has given you. God will give you a word, church. The reality is that some of you guys are here today, and you're here because God gave you a word at one time. At one season of your life, God gave you a word. God gave you faith. God gave and will continue to give you a moment of peace. But our enemy, Satan, the deceiver, the liar, he wants to take that away from you. The very word that God gives to you. And the reality is, churches, this happens all the time. This happens all the time. For some, for some of you, it was last week. Maybe you were in church, you heard from God, God spoke to you, God blessed you, God gave you faith, and you moved on, and you're like, man, I'm ready, and you get in the car, and maybe the kids started arguing, or maybe your, spot, your spouse starts arguing with you. By the time you get home, you just feel like you've, you're in a whole different place than where you were at when you were at church, and you start to question, God, did you really speak to me, or was it something else that I felt there while I was at church? And you get distracted. You see, Satan, he wants to take from you what God gives to you. And so that's why, as Habakkuk is doing, I want you to do, is when God gives you a word, when you're reading the word of God, and you say, ooh, that's for me. When someone sends you a text message or whatever, encouraging word, ooh, that's for me. God is speaking to me. Grab a paper, grab a pen, grab yourself a journal, and write that down. Write it down. Document it. Put it on paper. Go back to it when you have to. Hang on to it. Believe it. Claim it. Embrace it. Live in it. That word that you just wrote down from God. Don't let the enemy take it away from you. Because if you don't write it down, what happens is you're going to forget. You're going to forget. God, I can't do this by myself. This season is so difficult. And God gives you a word. For example, I will never leave you. I would never forsake you. You, you know, 
you're going to do this, I'm going to get you through this, and all of a sudden you forget, and the storm gets louder and louder, but when you've written something down, you can continue to go back to it when you're getting tempted to forget, and you can say, God, on this day, this time, on this hour, you told me you would never leave me, you would never forsake me, so I'm hanging on to your promise. You see the power of writing things down. When God gives you a word, write it down in your journal. You date it, you time it. Months later, you can go back and you can look at that moment so that whenever Satan wants to add doubt into your mind, to fear, to, or, 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 or whenever Satan's trying to tempt you to walk away, you go back and you say, no, here it is on this day and this moment that God gave me this word, and I am going to hang on to it. Amen? We have to be like Paul and Silas, how they were in prison long before the shackles came free. We need to be praising God in advance before we see the miracles take place. We got to be thanking him for the goodness. That's not easy to do. It's not easy to say, God, thank you for resolving whatever it is that I'm going through. Even though it hasn't been resolved, I thank you because I believe that you will get me through this. We have to listen to to what God will say to us, church. We have to write it down. And then the third thing, which is discipline. See, listening, that takes some, you know, it's not easy, but you can do that. Write it down. It's probably the easiest thing, man. Grab a pen and paper. If you don't have one, we'll get you one. The third thing is one of the most difficult things. It's not fun. It's where some of you are living right now. God's going to say, wait third thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to wait sometimes in, this, in whatever season it is. And that is hard. Because if it was easy, the season that you're in, when, when you're hard. Hey, some of you guys may be in a good season right now, a fruitful season. Praise God for that. Because you know you've, you came out of something already that was not fun. But while you're in that difficult season, it is hard for me to tell you, God, listen, you're, you're probably going to have to wait for God to go on ahead and do whatever it is that his plan is for this. But you have to wait, and wondering is no fun, but waiting is so much worse. You wait and you wait and you wait on the faithfulness of God. And some of you right now, you're waiting. Will my, will my child ever come back to Christ? You're waiting and you're praying. What you want to see, you don't see. You actually see the opposite. Is God ever going to hear the cry of my heart and give me the marriage that I want to have? Is God ever going to give me a job that's going to be with benefits? Is God ever going to stop these migraines that keep keeping me up all night long? Is God ever going to help me get out of the depression that continues to weigh on me and hold me down? You wait. You wait. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3, this is what scripture says. God says this. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. Everyone say appointed time. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. He praises. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger. Everyone say, though it linger. Wait for it. Listen to this. This is God speaking to Habakkuk who's who, who is wrestling with God with wait, but how, how long am I going to have to continue to be in this? God says, 
Though it linger, wait for it. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. And God is saying maybe in that circumstance that you're having, that you are in right now, though it lingers, wait, continue to be patient, continue to seek God, continue to, you could wrestle with him, but endure Him with him. But know that in due time, it will come. And the beautiful thing, it says, and not delay. You see, some of us think God is 30 days, 60 days past due. The reality, God says, if it ain't happened yet, it's because it hasn't been time for it to happen. Come on. Though it linger, wait for it. I love the way the Living Bible version translates the same verse. I'm, I'm not sure if they got that up, if they saw that in my notes, but I'm, I'm going to read it to you. This is the same passage that I just read for you, but it's the Living Bible translation, so it's a little bit more. But listen to this. Listen to this. God, I'll read it word for word. God says, but the things I plan won't happen right away. And listen, as I'm reading this, please, I don't know, this may be you. You may be in this season right now where you feel like you're just, you're wrestling with God. You're in the season and you don't feel like, oh, I'm, 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 I'm up on, the, on cloud nine yet, but I, you know, I, I'm kind of stuck in this valley. Listen to this as if God were speaking to you right now. God says this to you, but the things I plan won't happen right away. Then God says, slowly, steadily, surely, as the time approaches, when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. At the appointed time, God will Someone needs to take that word and wrap it around their heart. Some of you, some, for some of you, this is the word that you need to write down and you need to constantly be reading and be reminded of because this is God speaking, not only to Habakkuk, but speaking to you this very same morning, thousands of years later. At the appointed time, the Bible says he will respond. That's our problem. That's our problem. At the appointed time. See, our time is yesterday. God, woo, God took me through a, a, a whirlwind, you know, about a, over a year ago. And I remember, you know, when I, we, you know, I, 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 we were trying to sell our house. And, and in my mind, you know, it, this, had to, this, this should happen yesterday. But, man, God showed me a lesson that it, it, my time is my time. When it happens, it's going to happen. And, and although I kind of knew it, but listen, when you're going through it, it's hard. It is hard. You go into it in any situation and you're saying, man, God, you've got this. God's got this. Oh, don't worry about it. God's got this. But every day that goes by, what happens with that is that puffed up, God's got this. Okay, God's got it. Yeah, I see. God's going to take care of this. The longer it takes, God, you've left me in this desert. Quench my thirst. And in reality, when you look back, when God does deliver, when you look back and say, God, it was your timing. It was your timing. All I had to do is just say, I trust in your timing. Boy, oh boy, would this be a different world. Boy, oh boy, would, we, would, would our maturity in Christ be different if we really thought like that. 
at the appointed time. So whatever it is you're going through, at the appointed time, if you seek God, you listen, you write things down, you wrestle with him, but you continue to press into God at the appointed time. It's going to happen. It's going to happen the way he's designed it to happen. In fact, I love the word in Hebrew that's translated as appointed time. It's the word mod. It's like mod, M-O-W-E-D, but it's really spelled M-O-E-D, but mod. It literally, listen, it literally means perfect, unstoppable timing of God. I, I, don't, I don't encourage, you know, I'm not for whatever it is that you want to do with yourself, but if you were going to say, God, I want to get a tattoo on myself, man, maybe that's a good word to put on there. And, we're, and, we're, and when people say, what does it mean? It literally means the perfect, unstoppable timing of God. I don't know about you, but I want you to know that God lets you know that mud is coming. His perfect timing is coming. At the appointed time, it's going to happen. The mud, you can't stop it. Always remember, if it's not God's time, you can't force it. Please, remember that. If it is not God's time, you can't force it. And when it is God's time, guess what? You can't stop it. Though it linger, as the Bible says. Wait for it. Listen, if you leave without remembering anything that I said today, write it down. Though it linger, wait for it. Continue to say that in your mind. Whenever, whenever you're starting to get discouraged, though it linger, God, I am waiting for it. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for your perfect timing. You may say it takes forever, but you've got to say, I continue to wait. I'm not seeing it. It's not coming to pass. Well, I hope you remember, church, that if you are in the waiting zone, which I know because I've been there before, when you're trying to hang on to your faith and you're not seeing anything and you're getting impatient and you're starting to wonder and you're wondering and then you're wrestling and then you're wrestling, where is God? Remember that God's delays are not God's denials. Just because you haven't seen it doesn't mean that God is not going to do it. Though it linger. At God's appointed time, it will come to pass. I don't know about you, but those are just simple phrases right there that I just said. Man, that will, it's going to continue to encourage me through everything. And you have to write it down because you have to go back and read it when you are in these seasons. Because you know when life is difficult, it's hard to think right. When life is challenging, you sometimes get into that doom and gloom mentality. God, where are you? Where are everyone? Where are my brothers? Where are my sisters in Christ? Where are they? Go back to your writings, to your journal, whatever it is, and be reminded of what God has said, that at, the, at his appointed time, it will come to pass. Verse 4, many, many theologians say that this is the most important verse in all of Habakkuk. Because Habakkuk is beside himself. The Babylonians, they're bad. And, you know, and he's like, man, when are they going to get their due? And if you read in, in Habakkuk chapter 2, there's what's known as the five woes of Babylon. Basically, God is saying, I'm going to get them, I'm going to get them, I'm going to get them. 
I'm going to get them. They're going to get theirs, pretty much. In other words, God is a just God. I'm going to handle them. But Habakkuk is waiting. When are, when, when are you going to bring justice on them? I don't understand. See, Habakkuk is confused, just like many of us, many times in our lives. And this is what God says. God acknowledges that the Babylonians are evil. And he says this in verse 4. See, the enemy, Babylon, is puffed up. His desires are not upright. But God's not talking to them. God's not talking to the Babylonians. He's talking to Habakkuk. And he says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. Key, 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 key words there. Because we live as Christ followers by God's faithfulness. In the New Testament, Scripture says the righteous will live by faith. You see, faith is believing that God is going to do the things that we can't even see right now. God is be- uh, faith is believing. When we say we have faith in God, that means we are believing in something that we that has not even happened yet, but we're saying, but I believe that with God all things are possible. It's believing in the unseen. Scripture says that the righteous will live by faith. We don't walk by sight. Christ followers, we walk by what? Faith. Because if we walked by sight, we probably wouldn't walk anyway. Our faith is not based on what we see or what we want or getting our desired outcome. Our faith, church, is based on the character and the goodness and the nature of the one true living God. We live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. That means even though I don't see with my eyes, I fight to trust you, God, with my heart. Even though everything I want you to do, you're not doing, I will wait. I will wait for your goodness, God. Even though I wait for your glory to be revealed, though it linger, I will wait for it, God. Though it's still not coming, wait for it. See, Habakkuk is disturbed. He's confused. He's upset. He's angry. He feels betrayed. He's questioning. He's doubting. He's trying to hang on, just like so many of us here today. And then he says three words, church, in verse 20, almost as if, He's reminding himself that God is still in charge. He says in verse 20, I want everybody to say this, but the Lord. Say that one more time, but the Lord. It says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. That's another way of us, the way we say, but God is still on the throne. Life is difficult, but God is still in charge. This world is going kaputs, but God is still in charge. He is still on the throne. He is still in his holy temple. Even though things aren't going the way I think that they should, I must remind myself that God is still in the holy temple. No matter what I see, I choose faith. No matter what I feel, I choose faith. Even in my doubts, I will lift up my hands. I don't see a way, but with God, there is always. I'm aching, but in my heart, I choose to trust God. I don't see what I want to see, but because of the faithfulness of God, I will choose to walk by faith. I don't understand this, but I believe that with everything in me, my God is not only just in charge, but he is good. This is what we got to be thinking, church. This is what we got to be reminded. These are the lessons for us to learn from 
from this prophet here in Habakkuk. Because why? God is still on the throne. And as long as he's on the throne, he is still in charge. Because he is still there, I can worship him before I see him move. I can praise him before I see him. Even in the waiting, I believe that he is good. Amen? Habakkuk. You remember what I told you that the name Habakkuk means last week? Habakkuk does not mean wrestling and endurance. But the very name Habakkuk, it means to wrestle and embrace. Wrestling with God. God, I don't understand this. I don't know why. But embracing means, but I believe that you are on the throne. And so you're in charge. I hang on to your word. I hang on to your promises. Wrestling and embracing. To wrestle, I don't like this. I would give anything if it could be different. But to hang on, to embrace is to say, God, I don't understand, but I'm also not going to let go. In the wandering, as I said, with this we're finishing, don't walk away from God in chapter 1. And in chapter 2, my word to you is don't quit on God in the waiting. It's very easy. There's no timetable. For some of you, you, the waiting may be quick. For others, the the waiting may be longer. Don't it linger, though, church. Don't it linger. Whatever the situation is, whatever the season is, don't it linger, wait for it. If it's not God's time, like I said, you can't force it. And the thing is, we frustrate ourselves so much. We, then, then, then we try to take things into our own hands. And we try to do what we believe God should be doing. And, and the, last, the next thing you see, you're even more stressed. You're even more depressed. You're even more frustrated. You're even more discouraged. And you start feeling like that, that hamster in the hamster wheel, just going, 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 going. When God says, are you done yet? Because you could have been sitting, chilling, just, just embracing me learning from me, being filled with me, because in due time, whether you did what you did or not, I was going to give it to you. I was going to open this window. I was going to open up this door. Don't it linger. Wait for it. Because if it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it is God's time, you cannot stop it. The gates of hell can't stop what God wants to happen now. He's still good. He's still good in the waiting, even though you're waiting, even though it's not, hard, it's not easy, even though you're waiting and you're praying and you say, man, I've been praying for a long time for God to deliver me from this. He is still good in that waiting, man. You can still learn, hear from his word, embrace him, throw yourself in him. Why? Don't wait for him to answer whatever it is you're waiting for him to answer to start to get to know him. Get to know him now. Build that relationship now. Continue to grow your maturity now. And when God does, if he opens up that door, man, now you're stepping into that zone as a holy man or woman on fire for God. See, in my mind, sometimes it is 99% wrestling with God. It's time, God. Do it now. But there is one part of me, that 1%, because of who God is, that no matter what it is, I will not let go. 
I will not let go. I will embrace you, God, even in my doubts, even in the pain, even when I don't understand. And there's somebody here. What do you need to do? Somebody here that may be going through this, just go ahead. And I give you, the word gives you the permission, wrestle. Go ahead, wrestle. Wrestle with God. Push back. Whatever it is that you got to do, just please, as I begged you the first week, don't let go of God. Don't let go of it. Next week, we're going to be covering chapter 3. What happens in chapter 3? Want to know what happens in chapter 3? You're going to have to wait to find out. You're going to have to be here next week. But remember, I got to keep you guys on your toes. You cannot listen to this. Church, come on. Because many of us are saying there's three chapters, so the last one's got to be the whole hour, right? But remember, and, and, and the thing is that sometimes it is. Sometimes that good season is right at the brink. You're right there. You're right there. You're close. You know, yesterday as it was storming, it was storming. I had to drive to the north side, and, and, and I'm driving in the morning in the storm, and the storm is coming down. I can barely see it so many times. So many times I thought about moving over to the shoulder or whatever and just stopped and stopping until, the, until it got better. But see, but in my mind, I knew that I had to be somewhere by 1 o'clock. And if I stopped, then I knew I was going to be late. And if I was late, I jeopardized missing my appointment. They wouldn't see me. You guys all know how it goes. And so I continued. And you know what I did? I just praise God is good. God is good because this... He's just, this is what I lived yesterday. He's allowed me to illustrate it today. What I did for some reason is I got over to the right lane. Even though cars were passing me up, it was very difficult to see. Over here, I'm not sure it was raining that bad. But down south where I live, it was very, very bad. So I got behind this big truck. It was a big truck, but it was white. And for some reason, I couldn't see some of the smaller cars that were in the other lanes. So I said, I thought to myself, I'm going to be safest if I can get behind this truck because I can see this truck. I can't see what's ahead of me because the rain is falling. I can't see what's ahead of me because the storm is coming down. The, the, the rain, the water from the tires are, are going all over the place. But if I can stay behind this truck, I can follow it all the way through. As a matter of fact, as I look on the side of the truck, I see that the clouds are ending just down the road. If I can continue to stay behind this truck, eventually he's going to guide me. He's going to lead me out of this storm. It wasn't long after that we got just past those clouds. And all of a sudden it was like if it hadn't even rained. Come on, praise God. I could have stopped. But if I stopped, I could have also missed my appointment. See, in life, we can stop. But if we quit on God, if we, if, if we quit on God because chapter 3 took too long to get to, then we're never going to get into that season of sunshine. We may miss out on that. I don't know what could happen. If I stopped, I don't know. A car could have hit me because they couldn't see me, and I'd be dead. Missing out on whatever it is that God had for me. So, I can, so we continue that even in the storm, we hang on to God the way I was hanging on to the back of that truck. Hang on because he will lead you through it. But all that to say, church, is you can't bask in the glory 
of the chapter 3 of your life without chapter 1 and without chapter 2. We can't celebrate the goodness of God and say, God, you are good. God, you have redeemed me. God, you have relieved me. God, you have blessed me. You can't really soak it all in unless you have endured the downs of chapter 1 and chapter 2. If I just gave you a trophy and showed up to you, I said, here's your trophy. You won the championship. Oh, what? Yay. But if you had to play in a season of a sport or whatever it is, and there was ups and downs, and there was losses, and there was times where you were injured. You endured this whole season. There was times where it looked like you were just mediocre, like you couldn't achieve it. But all of a sudden, you achieved it. You won the championship. Now that trophy, you're going to grab it, and you're going to be emotional. You have to go through the downs, church, sometimes, so that you can appreciate the ups. Amen? Don't walk away from God in chapter 1. Don't quit on God in chapter 2. Because he's big enough to handle the wrestling, but continue to embrace. Amen? Let us all stand to our feet. Just close your eyes right there where you are at. Just close your eyes right there where you are at. And what I do want to do, I just, you know, sometimes I don't do this, but while Jason, in a moment, he's going to sing that last song that we sang. And I want to just open up the altar because I just feel like there, there may be some people. Maybe, you may, maybe you're wrestling with this right now, but there may be some people that just need to come up to the altar. And you're in this difficult season of your life. Listen, the altar is open. You don't got to say anything. Just come to the front and begin to speak to God. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, if you're wrestling right now with that, I don't know if I should go. This, this is not going to save you. It's not going to do anything. But what it might do is just be symbolic. And it may just begin to free you up from things. Just come up to the altar, kneel down right here, and just begin to speak to God who loves you and has been waiting. One, two, three. The altar is open.